الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من حسن اسلام المرء تركه ما لا يعنيه او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters we had been discussing the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam min husni islam al mar'i tarkuhu ma la ya'ni that it is the goodness of a person's deen such a person is mashallah perfecting his deen this is part of his perfection of deen that he leaves out what is of no concern to him this word min husni islam al mar min in arabic all these words give specific meanings so this min here is min tabiziya which means that this message that is being conveyed refers to this being part of a person's perfection of his islam what's the other part so part of the perfection of his islam is that he gives up what is not of any concern to him what is layani what is futile what is of no benefit to him in deen and in dunya what becomes a waste of his time what takes him in the direction of slipping towards other matters which would be actually harmful while the layani itself may not be something directly harmful but it is useless it is futile and when somebody gets into these futile matters then it starts slipping towards that which is actually forbidden which is harmful so one thing leads to another so to give up what is of no use what is of no benefit to us which is layani which is futile this is part of the good of a person's iman and his islam it is a part of perfecting his deen so what is the other part of it the one part is to give up what is layani and the other part is to then fill the time and fill the space with that which is of use to a person now his iman is complete so what is of use to him that which allah taala is going to be pleased with if allah taala is not pleased with something he may think this to be very useful to him but that is harmful to him if allah is not pleased with him how can it be useful to him that is a deception of shaitan that it appears that this is good for him this is useful to him but that shaitan's deception so allah taala being pleased with something that is the means of it becoming useful and it takes him closer to allah taala so this hadith sharif as we explained previously this is among the ahadith that have been selected as being the basis of a person's deen 
and it has tremendous depth in it. In the Quran Sharif also, Allah Ta'ala speaks about those who are truly successful. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ That the believers, those believers are successful. First quality Allah Ta'ala mentions about them, الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Those who have this khushu' in their salah, this complete devotion, they perform that salah with their complete attention towards Allah Ta'ala and they have full uh, focus towards the salah. The salah is being done correctly. It's not a haphazard salah. It's being done in a manner that fulfills all the postures and everything in the sunnah way. So that's the first thing Allah Ta'ala says that if a person wants success, the mu'mineen want success, the first thing they're going to have to develop in them is bring khushu in their salah. So obviously bring salah itself first, properly, on time, and then enhance that salah. It's not just getting done with it, but rather enhancing it. So, this enhancing the salah, this is an extremely important aspect. And together with enhancing the salah, immediately thereafter Allah Ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنِ اللَّغْوِ مُعْرِضُونَ That these believers who are very successful, they are those people who are away from everything that is law. They shun what is law. The Qur'an Sharif says law. What does law mean? It's the same thing that we are discussing about, things that are futile, of no use, of no benefit, actually these things start leading towards harmful things. Now the Quran Sharif is talking about those who are successful. The successful the success of the Quran Sharif, the success that the Quran Sharif is speaking about, is not just the success that we imagine. Our imagination of success sometimes is dangerous. Some person imagines his success to be in things which are actually harmful. Some people think that if I come right in this contact that I'm trying to make, what kind of contact? Haram contact. Now they feel if I made, if I came right in this, hey, then I really made it, I'm successful in it. Na'uzubillah. They are regarding some sin to be a means of success. That is the greatest disaster. And if the person came right in making their contact, they're very thrilled about it. That is a major disaster. That the person is getting thrilled that I am now destroying myself. That's the reality of it. So Allah Ta'ala is talking about that success which is of every benefit. Benefit in dunya and benefit of the everlasting akhirat. So it will benefit a person here and of perpetual benefit in akhirat. That is success. For that success, one has to now develop this khushu in the salah and have this aversion for lahu. Get rid of all the lahu from one's life. Now, mashallah, those who have this concern that I need to make my tazkiyah, I need to make my islah, I need to progress in my reformation of my character, so this is the prescription. 
The Quran Sharif is giving us this prescription because the person who has made his complete Islam, he'll be successful, fully successful. So this is all part of the same process, gaining success and making one's Islam, it's one and the same thing. The person who has made the complete Islam, they'll be fully successful. The person who has made deficient Islam, so the success will be also deficient. Cannot be complete and full success. It will be part success. So we need to turn towards Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala and beg His help to grant us this total success and help us to adopt that prescription to get to that total success. Part of that prescription is this very important point of leaving out things that are futile. Now we discussed this already previously, but this is a lesson that we need to understand very, very well. Keep revising it, keep refreshing it, so that we become very conscious of it. MashaAllah, we know many things, we know numerous things, we've heard so many things and we've heard it so many times. And we've already spoken about it to so much. But after all the times we've heard it, after all the times we've... Uh, spoken about it as well how much of it is in our life that is the big question the sahaba kiram used to hear something from rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when they would hear some nasihat of deen then they were very eager to practice upon it immediately hazrat ali radhiyallahu ta'ala an speaks about the tasbih fatimi which we discussed many times that from the time that Rasulullah sallallahu taught them this tasbih, the lengthy incident, Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha went to ask for the servant, for the slave, which Nabi sallallahu that time had that option to give her one slave woman to serve as a maid, to help out in the household chores, etc. and to be this helper in all the difficult tasks that she used to be engaging in her, herself, and this also is a lesson that we have to we have to take down deeply in our hearts. Nowadays, unfortunately, with this Western ideologies flooding our minds and hearts through all the media, the social media, and whatever other forms that it comes through. So people's thinking is changing. People's thinking is changing and becoming westernized. And the western concepts are far away from deen. They have no link to the deeny concepts. They have no uh, compatibility with the deeny concepts. They are worlds apart. We need to understand that. We need to accept that deen is not anywhere related to these western things. Deen is totally in its own sphere. It is very high above all this. And we have understood this, but yet we find that it affects us. In every aspect of life we'll find that there's no no way these two things can be married off. It cannot happen. It's far away, far apart. The very simple example that we've taken previously many times also, that in terms of the culture of Islam and the Western culture. 
there's no no comparison. It's worlds apart. Now in Western culture, the free intermingling, what, what's wrong with this? Is there any problem with it? How can there be a problem with it? This is part of uh, equality. Everybody should be able to mix with whoever they wish. And then that's not where it finishes off. Then in that free intermingling, this person is talking to that person's wife and that person's husband is talking to his wife and uh, everybody is one happy family, so to say. But that happy family is a disastrous happiness. And then if two couples meet, then this male, this person's husband will hug that person's wife. And that's part of the norm. And vice versa. And if it's not done, then it is not it's going against the etiquette. Now, after this one example alone, can we think that there can be some compatibility between these two things? There's no compatibility. The Western ideology is all about, based on the foundations of extravagance and shamelessness. Lack of haya. There's no concept of haya in terms of what the haya of Islam is. That concept of haya doesn't exist anywhere else but in Islam. Now, if we are going to start taking these Western things, one one thing at a time, we are going to start becoming very comfortable with this Western way of life and ideology and say, no, okay, we shouldn't become too serious about things. Allah forbid, what is currently happening that is changing the complete thinking. And obviously the heart changes, the life will change. Now the heart has changed. The heart has changed. And I repeatedly mention this, and if we think about it, again we're digressing from wherever we started. Whatever Allah Ta'ala wills, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala make it a means of benefit for me and for all of us. But what we were talking about is that this is repeatedly mentioned that if you want to get a glimpse of how far we have drifted, and we want to, we want a yardstick to measure of how deep we have gone into Western ideology and western lifestyle, how much we have embraced the western way of life then if you want to get an indication of that a very clear indication will be from the dressing just this one thing and unfortunately this is something that when you bring this up people say but look dressing is a small matter man, where are you making this a big issue but that dressing changes so many things in life. Now first that western ideology, that western lifestyle was embraced. It was embraced in our hearts. If it was not embraced with our words, that we say, no, we like this. So the words, a lot of people don't say things which are in their hearts. There's many things in the heart which is not said in them verbally. There are many things which are said verbally but which is not in the heart. Obviously, this is a kind of hypocrisy that we claim something, but the heart is not saying that. The heart is something else. There's a claim of loving the Sunnah, loving the Mubarak way of Rasulullah That's the claim. And indeed, in some instances, that is true as well. 
in some aspects of life that is true, but it's not complete. And a person who claims to love the sunnah, claims to love the Mubarak life of Rasulullah then we can't be picking and choosing that I love certain things of his Mubarak life, but na'uzubillah, certain things don't uh, fit in with me, so I can't na'uzubillah love that, then there's no iman. If we don't love what Rasulullah gave us, then iman is in a very dangerous place. Yes, it could be possible that a person loves it, but is not fully practicing it. He loves it, but is not fully practicing it. And then regards it as his deficiency. That that particular aspect also I should bring in my life. So I'm missing out on something. Now for simple example, that for whatever reason, a person is not yet practicing on the miswak. Now it's a very big deprivation. It's a very big deprivation because by using the miswak at the time of making wudu, then this enhances the reward of the salah 70 times. Subhanallah, what a great reward. What a great benefit and bounty by using the miswak. Now what is the status of using the miswak? Is it farz? Is it wajib? No, it's not farz or wajib. But it is a very, very great amal because it is sunnah. So it is a very great amal. And it is an amal that Rasulullah sallallahu taught. It is his sunnah. By adopting his sunnah, what happened? The salah is farz. The salah is farz. And to make wudu for the salah is farz. A person without wudu cannot perform salah. So salah is farz. That is what his purpose is to fulfill the farz of salah. And in order to fulfill the salah, he has to have wudu. Wudu is farz. And the salah is farz. Making miswak is not farz. But it is such a great amal that in that wudu, he used the miswak. It multiplied the reward of that farz salah 70 times. Subhanallah, can we imagine how great this amal is? Now a person, for whatever reason, that person missed out on using that miswak. So now, there's a sense of regret. There's a feeling of loss. I should be doing this. Why am I not doing it? And such a great thing I'm missing out on. Then the person, inshallah, the door will open towards making amal on that sunnah. But if the person regards it as, just by the way, Allah forbid that sunnah tawfiq will never come. And not just that the sunnah tawfiq of the sunnah won't come. It will start opening the door to missing out the wajib and the faraiz also. So we should feel that sense of loss and grief and regret if we have not managed to do some aspects of the sunnah. But nevertheless that love must be in our hearts. But now somebody is happy about something else. They are not feeling happy about adopting the sunnah way. Na'uzubillah, that's a very dangerous matter now. The person feels, Na'uzubillah, this is actually the way that looks better, feels better. Way what? What kind of way? The way of the Yahud and Nasara. 
in terms of their dressing. So now the person is adopting that way and style of the Yahud and Nasara and dressing and feeling comfortable about it, feeling happy about it. And feeling this is something better, this is a very dangerous matter, very, very, very dangerous for our Iman. So now, nobody says that verbally, but that heart has accepted and given preference to that way of the Yahud and Nasara, now that has settled in the heart. So now that translates itself into action. Now the person comes to Madrasa, so now Madrasa there is a specific dress code, so now I have to wear the cloak and I have to wear the burqa and whatever other necessary things are in the guidelines, so now I have to do that. But as soon as I get the opportunity and sometimes under that cloak also, it will be the style of garments which are against the Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa those kind of garments which are shameless the light of Shariat, it's shameless. The world may say what they want. How can we go by their yardstick when they don't have any concept about what is the haya of Islam? What is the modesty and shame of Islam? There's no concept of that. So how can they be the basis for us to think about what is fine and what is not fine? That manner of interaction between two couples that we just discussed, for them is fine. But can we say that that is fine? Can we be comfortable with it? Can we be okay with it? There is no way we can be okay with it. So therefore, we have to become very, very conscious. And we have to become very careful in this regard. So, again we digress from a point that we were talking about. That now when a person uh, starts getting into layani, and that layani opens the door to all these other matters. And then a person starts drifting away. So there's two parts to this. One is leaving out what's layani. The person who's now concerned about their Islam, they really want to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. They want to perfect their Iman. They want to perfect their Deen. There's two parts to this. One is leaving out layani. The other is doing that which is going to benefit us. Which is going to bring us closer to Allah Ta'ala. In all spheres of life, eating, drinking, clothing, day-to-day matters, whatever it might be. Now, how will we get closer to Allah Ta'ala? We're trying to do everything in the sunnah manner. Everything according to the sunnah. Then, as we explained last week, that even then, that little bit of light-hearted talk, that little bit of interaction on a very general note, but with the right niyat. The niyat is to now freshen the mind a little bit, so that I can get back into my necessary work with more fervor, with greater energy, or to make somebody happy for a while, cheer the person up a little bit. But now this is salt in the food as mentioned repeatedly. So now we made the person happy a little bit. Or now to join family ties. So now we're sitting with some relative little bit and we having some general talk. But the purpose is that this now is going to build some bond of relationship. Alhamdulillah, all that is within the limits. Deen has given us ample leeway in all these matters. But when a person will abandon the good, or if the word abandon is very strong, he will not engage himself in the good 
or doing things which are permissible with the right intention within the limits of deen, then this is going to start drifting. And while it will drift on the one side, that a person will start getting involved in layani, but that will also now become an, a stepping stone towards other problems, serious problems. So the perfection of a person's iman that he brings in his life what is good, he brings in his life, he gives up what is layani, and he also makes an effort to bring into his life what is good. Good and giving up the layani applies to every aspect of life. Whether it is actions, whether it is words, so layani in actions, layani in words, layani in thoughts. Because it's the thoughts that start off, and then the thoughts become words, and the thoughts become actions. So even the thoughts, a person should keep redirecting his mind to that which is of benefit to him. Now we got a problem with somebody, and then now we keep thinking, but hey, this person, why they told me this? Now, how is that going to benefit us? Yes, for that moment we got hurt, we are human, but now we are dwelling on it. How is that going to benefit us? That too becomes layani. So now we need to move on in life. If there is something of practical effect that has to be done, there is some claim to make against somebody, then in a dignified manner within the limits we do it then and get done with it. If there is some matter to sort out, then within the limits in a dignified manner we go ahead and sort it out. But now we are just carrying on with that thought that now this person told me this, that person did that, and that person uh, took that whatever right of mine away, and so on and so forth. But now then what? Further than that? So now to dwell on the thoughts, coming is not in our control. But engaging the thought thereafter, that is in our control. And by giving that space to the thought in our heart, by entertaining it, now we got involved in layani. Then sometimes the thought becomes ghibat. This is a very deep point which the Sufiya Kiram, the Mashaykh, explain as well, that there can be ghibat even in thought. Now for example, if a person is sitting and talking to somebody else, and they're talking to somebody else and they're talking ill of a third person. So now two people are talking, they're talking of the third person. What they're talking about the third person, what that person will dislike if he had come to know that this is what I'm being discussed about. So now what is that? That is ghibad. Now I'm talking to a second person about some third party. So this became ghibad. Now supposing a person is not talking to anybody else, he's talking to himself, within himself. Hadithun nafs. This was termed as hadithun nafs which very loosely translated, talking to oneself. But now, within one's mind, one, some people have this issue of they talk aloud to themselves. So now somebody overhears this person talking, so now he first looks around, and who's here? He sees nobody around. So some get a little bit worried, they say maybe he's talking to one jinnad. But there's no jinnad there, he's talking to himself. So very often this is the case. Somebody may be sometimes talking to a jinnad, Allah knows, but there's no jinnad there generally person is talking to himself. People have this habit sometimes. So here nobody is talking aloud, but he's talking within himself. Now when he's talking within himself, to himself, 
about the ills of somebody else. One is there something of a practical nature to do. He had a problem with someone and he needs to get that addressed. He needs to get it sorted out. So now he's thinking now, who do I tell? How do I go about it? How do I get this sorted out? What's to be done? So now there's something necessary that he's thinking about. It's something constructive also in a way to get the matter sorted out. But now something has of no, nothing that to be followed up, nothing to be done about it. It's come and gone. Now we engaging in that, dwelling upon that. So this is self-inflicted harm in so many different ways. It sometimes becomes ghibat also. And sometimes it's just self-inflicted harm. Because it only serves to make a person feel negative, miserable, depressed. And thereafter what? So Allah Ta'ala has opened the doors of reward by means of giving the person the topic of sabr. Sabr doesn't mean that you will not feel pain. Sabr means that you don't complain. You bait and carry on. That is sabr. You feel pain, but don't complain. You turn it to Allah Ta'ala, إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ Ya Allah, this is from you, and I submit to you. Ya Allah, you grant the reward of this in dunya and akhirat and make it a means of your qurb and your closeness and nearness and move on so now otherwise this layani thought will be will move on to ghibat thought and now that's going to become a major problem is going to sink our heart into darkness so just as there's layani in actions there's layani in words Likewise, there's layani in thoughts. And this layani thoughts, this can become very, very dangerous for a person. So therefore, we have to now train our minds. We have to become conscious of all this. And inshallah, as we start repeatedly reminding ourselves of this, we'll become more conscious and we'll start practicing on it. We'll start becoming more alert. This particular aspect falls in the category of layani, I need to refrain from this. I cannot engage in this. Inshallah, in this way, as we go along, this will become easy for us that we keep ourselves safe from every wrong and also from layani with the tawfiq of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala bless us with, all, with the tawfiq and grant us the ability to do all that which pleases Him and save us from everything that displeases Him. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير وجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم صلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب